Welcome to the 13th season of Delving Into Dance. This is a special season made in collaboration with the Australian Ballet to profile some of Australia's leading choreographers and dance companies who are part of the Dance X program, taking place in Melbourne between the 20th of October and the 1st of November, 2022. In this episode, I speak to Daniel Riley, where I started by asking about his time taking over the reins of the Australian Dance Theatre, or as it's commonly known, ADT. It's been a ride, you know, like, uh, it's, a, it's been a crazy journey, really. Like, you know, I was appointed in, I'll say it was like officially May last year. So what's that, May 2021, and then um, announced in June 2021, I was living in Melbourne, um, on Bunwarang country at the time and I was in the depths of oh, lockdown maybe two I, I don't know um, I couldn't it was either I couldn't go you know to the end of my street because I was at stay at home orders or I could go to the end of my street but the border between Victoria and South Australia was shut so yeah, there was this long kind of pregnant pause where I actually set foot here on Ghana country and could come to the building and come in the doors and meet the team and and I didn't really do that until December. Um, and so there was a lot of conversations and a lot of Zooms. And, you know, I was also doing a whole bunch of other work um, in Melbourne and having to wrap all that up. And But also be planning 2022 as my first year as AD. And, you know, so there was a whole bunch of pre-stuff. And then I arrived and I remember the first day arriving, coming and, you know, telling Nick, Nick Hayes, our executive director, I was like, I'm coming, I'm going to come tomorrow, I want to come and say hi and see the building. And I remember coming to the building and just being, uh, having this, it was a moment that I'll, I'll probably never forget, but like standing at the front and seeing it say Australian Dance Theatre and then realising why I was here, it, um, the enormity of, of that moment of stepping inside for the first time and um, it was a real, it felt strange, you know, and, and it wasn't a dream. It didn't feel like a dream, but it was just this real, um, almost out of body kind of experience. You know, ADT is a company that I've obviously known of my entire dance career. And, and even as a young, uh, you know, as a young dancer living on Ngunnawal country in Canberra, where I grew up and knowing, seeing the company at a really early age, meeting the founder of ADT, Elizabeth Cameron Darman, when I was 13. Um, I didn't know she was the founder of this company at the time. I, she was just this lovely old woman who I knew danced. Um, and she met my father and they were teaching at a school um, and said, oh, your son should go and join this youth dance company. Um, and so I did. The com- that company called Quantum Leap. Um, and I fell in love with contemporary dance because of Elizabeth Cameron Darman. You know, fast forward however many years it is, and now I find myself as the custodian of that the company that that lady founded, um, is bizarre. You know, it, it's it, it it's so bizarre and so kind of just really beyond my thinking and imagination that I could end up as the artistic director here. You know, I never saw it in my future to be the AD of this company. Um, I always felt, especially when I got my later, you know, through the later part of my, you know, performance career, my full-time performance career, 
I was like, oh, I would love, to, I feel like I could do that. You know, I, I'm good with people and I have works that I want to make and things I want to say and I'm good with supporting a team and I, I think I have a way that I can lead an organisation And but I never would have dreamt that it would be ADT. But it's it's been amazing, you know, to be here in the building getting to make what I want to make with the team that I want to work with um, and build a company culture, you know, a rehearsal culture, a studio culture, um, but a, a workplace culture that I want to work in. Um, and that feels really amazing to be able to do that, you know, to be able to be leading and, you know, not leading from the front, but kind of leading from within. Um, and that feels really nice to me. And that feels like, the way that I'm comfortable to lead um, and that feels like, it feels right. Um, and being here, I've never felt any, like I've never felt more strongly that this is where I'm meant to be at any particular time. Like some, for some weird, strange reason, whether it's the ancestors or whether it was, you know, something called me here and I'm here for a reason and that feels really good and really right. It must be such a thrill for Elizabeth as well to have like that sense of, you know. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like you know, we've we've had lovely conversations. She was the first first person I called after I got the phone call, and after I let it sit in my head and spoke to my wife and you know my kind of immediate family, and I called her and I said, "Hi, hi, Elizabeth. It's Daniel Riley." And she's like, "Oh, hi, Daniel." And there was a pause, like a really long pregnant pause, and she said. And why would you be calling me? And she knew very well that the company was looking for an artistic director. And I just said, I'm calling to let you know that for some, you know, I'm the new artistic director of, of ADT. Um, and I remember her just saying, oh, Daniel, I'm, my heart is full. Um, and I could hear her kind of emotional. Um, and that made me feel, that filled my heart you know, that she was really proud of the company and proud of, the choice that the selection panel made and proud that I'm here doing, carrying her legacy, you know, and um, building on her quest, as she, as she called it, um, her quest for an Australian dance theatre. And so I'm just carrying, I'm just now the one, the custodian and carrying that torch for that quest. Oh, so beautiful. It was like goosebumps kind of thing. Uh... <laughs> I can completely imagine, imagine that. Um, for her, it would be such a thrill to get that call. Yeah. Do you feel like, I guess, that sense of responsibility or expectation, I guess, taking a company that has this history or has this verve, I guess? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I get asked that question a lot. Like, you know, do you feel the yeah responsibility and the pressure of what it is? And I was just like, uh, not not really. And, it's, and that's not a kind of... Um, you know, that's not because I feel, you know, overly confident in the role. You know, I feel quietly confident. Um, but I, I'm, like I said, I'm just kind of trusting that I'm here for a, a reason. And, and that reason maybe hasn't been made clear to me yet. But, you know, I get to do, I get to build something here that I can be really proud of um, and that I want Adelaide and South Australia to be really proud of. You know, even in ADT's history, every artistic director has, has changed the company. You know, it always, as it should, right, when a new artistic director leads a company, it should change. It should change the kind of work that's made, um, 
who it's engaging with and all of those all of those reasons and you know for me being here i get to now change it to what i believe in and what i think what i think adt should be doing and how we should be seen and who should be seeing us and who we're engaging with and why we make work who we make work with and for um and who we pre- present that to so um it's you know i i'm i'm very well aware of the enormity of it for sure like i'm that that's not lost on me at all um especially being the first first nations artistic director of this company like that is not lost on me at all um but that in a way uh fuels my my desire to succeed and my desire to um uh yeah be really good at the job i guess i don't know and good's really you know <laughs> good's really subjective whether or not i'm good at the job or not but um look i think if the people around me are are, are enjoying it and, and and the work is i'm proud of the work and and if we can if i can have a small part of you know changing something in the australian dance kind of uh lineage um then i can be really proud of that and you know time will tell whether or not that happens or not so can we talk a little bit i guess about your vision for the company or where you may want to take it or that sure. contribution sure. to to dance lineage whatever that looks like yeah do you want to share anything about that yeah it's an interest it's interesting because you know, obviously I was appointed off a vision, right? I presented a vision of what I believe ADT could be and being being the first First Nations Artistic Director of this company, I lead first and foremost with my cultural lens. Um, I can do that in an authentic way. I can do that in an honest and respectful way because that is my cultural practice. Um, and for me, uh, as, I, as I tell everybody, you know, it says it on the front of the building, we're Australian dance theatre. So we should be working in Australia more often, performing, collaborating, working with the incredible array of Australian artists, both First Nations and non-First Nations and diverse artists. Um, you know, it's, for me, I'm inspired by this, our landscape, our land, and, and the, the, my ancestors who have lived here for over 75,000 years. So. For me, it's about making sure that we as ADT are bringing uh, a holistic way of making and that the work speaks to a broad range of audiences Um, and that I can, you know, bring First Nations voice into into the organisation. You mentioned a little bit earlier, like, the the sense of organisation that you want to create and the, the way that people work together and interact I guess that's a amazing contribution you can make as well and often artistic directors really set the tone of an organization and yeah is that something that you've kind of really considered when you've come into the role yeah totally um absolutely um you know I I've I've worked in numerous organizations and you know I I feel like I can you know I I know what works for me personally and I know I get a sense of when people in the, you know, my past work, when people are enjoying work and what works, what doesn't. So for me here, if we are all, you know, there has to be across the entire organisation, you know, this sense of of um, reciprocity and respect across the entire organisation. 
every hand in this building is important as the other. Um, and, and especially in the studio and the rehearsal and the creative space, I'm really aware and really conscious that I don't want to be the only voice heard all day. A, I get sick of my own voice and people probably do too. So for me, it's actually about making a, a, a space that is um, open to the, ele- like I want to be elevating, elevating all the incredible artistic voices that are in the studio. You know, it's a collaborative environment. It's not me at the front saying, do this, 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 and this, and do it this way, and I'll do it faster, and da-da-da-da, and, you know, I don't want to... Yeah, it's that I don't want that to be that. I, I want it to be, I bring I bring stuff in, and I kind of, I pose the question, and, and I go, how about this, or let's go that way, or... Um, and then, I, but, I, but I also want to create an environment where the artists are comfortable to say, actually, Dan, that doesn't this feels better or actually what about if we go this way or actually I'm not quite sure about that so there's this constant kind of interrogation um and I guess it's in a way it's trying to make sure that you know hierarchical structures that the studio space is a more flat one um and that really is mirrored for me from from again from community from first nations community and everybody has their role everybody has their place Yes, we respect deeply eldership, um, but but it, it, there is a more equity in 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 that in that kind of um, artistic space or, or or in that community space. You know, it's um, we look out for each other in, in the rehearsal room. You know, we look out for each other. We're respectful of each other. We're kind to each other. Um, you know, in working full time, we're not always going to get along, right? You never really always get along with your workmates, but. Um, that's also part of it that's that that's also part of that environment too right it's like family it's like you're never going to get along always you know because we're all our own individual we're all we all have our own brains and artists especially are the most intelligent and empathetic creatures um questioning and and investigating in their own heads you know and and i might give us some some choreography or an idea i digest it one way they digest it a whole nother way so it's actually it's about allowing that process because then i i feel like that creates a more authentic um work because the the performers have their voice in the work does that i guess inform or define your process or style or when you're approaching a work you know does the process change? Because I know you've got a number of things at the moment we can talk about yeah. them that, you know, you've been in the rehearsal room all day. To, so, you know, like, I just wonder, how does that translate? Yeah, look, I think, and, and to be honest with you, this is really the first time I'm getting to really investigate that. You know, I, I, I've made works in the past, but they've just been, you know, a commission, a commission basis. So, you know, you have set parameters of this many weeks, it's got to be this long, you have this amount of budget, so for me, this is the first. This is the first time where I'm really starting from scratch and going, okay, I can, I have an organisation, at, at like in my palms. How how do I want to work? Um, and so really, it's kind of all just testing it at the moment, you know, and seeing what works, what doesn't, what what I thought would work that I forced for too long that didn't work. So it's about finding our own ways as well. Like, what's this new way? What's this? What's What's the new ADT way of making work? 
Um, and, and, and that's always in conversation with the artists for me as well. So, um, yeah, you know, I feel like in terms of my practice, and it's funny, it's such a hard question to answer because a lot of people ask that of, of any artist, right? Like whether it be visual loss or, or, or composition or, or whatever the kind of artist is, like, oh, what's your artistic practice? I find it really hard to distill it. And, and I think that's probably my practice. I, I don't... My practice is that the story tells me what I need to do and how I want to do that. You know, I, I, my practice is conversation. My practice is collaboration. My practice is um, rhythm um, of, of making and then stripping it back. And, you know, it, it really differs. And I, I guess if you ask me that question maybe in like four or five years and I've got a couple of big works up my sleeve I could probably distill it a bit more but you know I guess up until now the practice has been different because the environment has always been different but there's also something really beautiful in that too because for me each work and each idea demands a different presentation style you know depending on the work that will tell me how it should be presented so I don't want to constantly always be making work in a proscenium theatre. Some works will go into proscenium. Some are, you know, there's another work we can talk about in a second called Tracker that is in the round, you know, and then there's other work that I want to, that I want to make that is outside the theatre because that's where my ancestors told stories. You know, proscenium theatres came with the boats when they arrived here, um, you know, uh, uh, with the explorers. Um, so... Yeah, for me, it's it's about looking at the story and looking at what's the best way to tell that. Yeah, that's really, really lovely. And you see some people who have a process, but they feel feels sometimes like they're churning out the same stuff as well. So it doesn't adapt or it doesn't change. And it it's, it's a very different kind of thing. So, yeah, that's really, really lovely. Um, Australian Ballet have pulled together a pretty incredible season of works for Dance X and you're, I've got a piece in there, the third. I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that work and the, the context of it. The third is, a, it was the first work I made as artistic director here. Um, it's, a, it's a shorter work, it's half an hour. Um, it was made specifically to tour regionally around South Australia. Um, and it's also paired with a film that I made last year. I was commissioned by Rising Festival to make a film. I had open access to the Melbourne Museum Archive. Um, so I was able to walk the long corridors and the thousands and thousands of cultural objects and the cultural material that sits in, you know, um, temperature controlled, under stark lighting, usually in the dark most of the day. Um, so I, I had that opportunity and out of that I made a short film um, and the film was called Mulanma, Inside Within. Um, and I made that actually with my son, Archie, um, who in the, uh, he's five now, but he was four then. So, um, so him and I performed in it together um, and I directed it and choreographed it. Um, uh, and so that opens the third. So it's kind of, it's like a little interlude into this idea of archiving, you know, of, of how we, um, what, the difference in archives. You know, we have our... And the third is an, is a, is an idea of... It was Professor Margot Neal, actually, who works at the National Museum of Australia in Canberra. 
um, I read a book of hers called Songlines, and it um, she talks about this idea of the third archive, and the third archive is a collaboration of Western archive, you know, museums, libraries, um, filing systems, all of that, in collaboration with our cultural archive, which is the land, and that's our master archive. So when I walk barefoot on my ancestral country, I access millennia of of stories and knowledge um, and ideas. And I, I connect to, I bring the past and the future to the present, you know, when we can walk barefoot on our ancestral country. So when you have those two ideas, it creates a third archive that sits right in the middle and that archive is accessible to all. So that's a real, that's that meeting point of Western and, and you know, of, I guess, uh, imported and, and First Nations ideas and ideology. Um, that really, that's where the title came from. And then uh, the work kind of expanded out from that and looking at the body as an archive, you know. So I took this film, which we project onto this beautiful curved wall um, that looks, that the film Mullama looks at reclamation of cultural material and cultural archive. Um, and then that transitions into the third, which is a, a, obviously a live dance theatre work. Um, of looking at the body as archive, you know, and the body as an archive is not a purely First Nations Australian idea. It's we everybody, everybody understands this concept as we hold our memories, we hold our, you know, we hold so much in our body um, as as an archival tool. Um, but we, the dancers and I, we discuss these ideas of oh, like, what if, what is it like when two people hold hold a memory, or you know. And let's say that happens at, you know, place X where you make that memory and then you, 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 you separate and you go your separate ways. The memory, the archive is not complete. It's only complete when you are connected back at place X. That's when it's its fullest idea. You know, that's when it's really at its, its, its emotional and spiritual and physical maximum of a memory and of an idea. So... That's really what the third looks at, th those kinds of ideas. Um, as I said, it's a half hour work, um, which is really nice actually. Um, and it's gonna be really nice to, re to remount it and maybe re-explore a couple of bits and pieces before we present it at DanceX, yeah, in November. I was really like drawn to also, you know, you've obviously got a young family and to say your son was five. Yes. In the, in the film. What do, I mean, obviously, He's engaging with the stuff that you're doing yeah. and art and dance yeah. and culture. Yeah. Do, is, that, is there something you want to impart, I yeah. guess, to that? Absolutely. To um, your children in that way? Absolutely. You know, my, you know, my father, um, which is where my, 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 my Rajri heritage comes from, my paternal line. So, you know, my father didn't grow up around culture. He didn't grow up around language, dance, song, with his feet on Wiradjuri country. That wasn't available to him. Um, and I just feel really fortunate that I get to explore. I have the oldest form of storytelling, which is dance, as my tool to access my cultural identity. Um, you know, I get to make work and theatre and I get to make art that connects me to, to my, my, my lineage, you know, my cultural heritage, which is Wiradjuri from Western New South Wales. And so 
everything, all my work now, I, I constantly thinking about my son, Archie, and my daughter, Billy, who's uh, 14 months old. So, you know, that I get to, for them to experience it. You know, my daughter, Billy, she was like, they were, she was in rehearsal today. Um, my son, Archie, grew up the first three, two or three years of his life, like on tour with me when I was with Bangara Dance Theatre. And so he's been just being in the artistic environment you know and and being surrounded by people um is such a is such a beautiful gift i think that i can give to them as well um but yeah you know for me that i can be making work that interrogates for me my cultural identity but you know then therefore my son and my daughter's identity and who they are at a young age um that they can continue to carry that. And look, when they get older, they can continue to, to connect in whatever way they choose, you know. Um, but for me, there's something about art and, and especially the physical form that I get to connect is, is really special for me to be able to share that with them. I was just thinking about dance and music and it's I always find it fascinating. You put music on and kids dance, they start moving. It's like this innate you know, desire um, that humans have. And that as we get older, unless you're kind of doing dance classes and stuff, we become separated from that mm. physical Absolutely. And that sense of... It's instinctual. It's instinct. It's pure... Our instinct is to move. Um, in and out. So I, I, I've been saying quite a lot quite recently in this idea that I find contemporary dance actually the most accessible form because it is in every way instinctual. Um, I, the way I make is instinctual in terms of what I feel my body is. And as I was saying before, like my incredible six company artists, they have their own instinctual way of moving. So there is something deeply um, emotional and spiritual about movement um, that, you know, physicality connects us to song and beat and, you know, the, the rumble of, of, of sound and beat is the rumble of the earth. And so there is this connection between the body and the land in vibration. And that's a really instinctual thing. And, and I think that's something that people shouldn't be afraid of, you know. Contemporary dance, though, of a lot of art forms is one of the hardest ones to sell tickets to. It's one of the ones that people feel like is not for them or they don't understand that there's all these barriers I mean, it's partly why I started this podcast because I've always loved it, been drawn to it, and people just like, I don't get it, or I don't. And I, I similarly say, well, it's, it's just bodies moving. Just, like, let it wash over you. You'll, you will find something that connects with you in that way. Yeah. But there yeah. seems to be this barrier. Yeah, I know. And that I, I totally, I get that a lot too. I was like, oh, no, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But my, my answer is often like, that's okay. We don't have to understand everything, right? Like, it, there's this great desire to be spoon-fed stories all the time. You know, like you, you go to the ballet, for example, and it's a beautiful art form, but you know what it's about going in. So in a way, it's so easy to digest. It's like, it's like okay, I get it. A boy meets girl, you know, girl falls in love with someone else, boy dies, et cetera, et cetera. And usually the male comes as the hero to save you know, the female. And so there is something that's, you know, it's, there's a beautiful poetic simplicity in that. 
But I think there's something about contemporary dance that people are fearful of, afraid of what they think personally. You know, it's like, oh, no, I don't get it. I, I don't want to try or I, I, oh, I thought it was this, but maybe that's wrong. It's like, maybe it is wrong, but that's okay. You know, contemporary dance is really, it's opening a door to, to an intimate kind of personal connection as well of what do you think that is, you know? It's okay that we all think something different. We don't have to all think the same thing all the time, you know? Um, and that, that really leads back to this idea of what I was talking about in, in terms of the artists. Every artist is different. Every artist should be different because we all have different things to say. Um, and so it kind of leads into that too. And I've never really thought about it until then, but contemporary dance, you know, it's, it's not about being fearful, but it's just about being um, open to accepting and experiencing something. It may move you emotionally. You may just like the choreography because it physically moves you. You find yourself swaying and moving in your seat. Um, you know, it's imagery based. Um, and again, it's just, it's, it's instinctual. So yeah, um, it's not gonna, we're not gonna change and, you know, knock down those barriers of fear overnight. <laughs> Cause I feel like that's a, that's a long battle. Um, but I do think there is more in contemporary dance than people give it credit for. Maybe it's even the term contemporary in some respects, because like the dance aspect, it's, it's it's positioned in opposition to classical dance, you know, or like yeah. traditional, you know, contemporary. And it, you know, it's been contemporary for forty years or so. It's like, is it still, you know, what is what does that word add to the dance aspect? Well, maybe yeah. Well, contemporary just brings it to the now, and that's isn't that the word? Contemporary is now. So you know, contem- the contemporary dance I'm making is more contemporary dance than anything that was made 10 years ago because it's actually, it's reflecting the world outside. You know, the artists who I work with, they come, they, 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 they come from outside today, this morning, and they came inside. That's contemporary. That you can't get any more now than today. I've got one final question for you. And it's just what's inspiring you in the world at the moment. It could be in the world of dance. It could be in the world more generally. You know, I think there's a lot of doom and gloom, but like, what is like something that's really like shining for you? Um, what is shining for me? Well, the sun hasn't been shining here on Ghana country for a good couple of days. So that's definitely not the sun. Um, what's been shining for me? Um, I think what lifts me every day at the moment is, you know, artistically is just the incredible resilience of artists. Um, and the, um, this fierceness and this, uh, what's the word, this, um, fearlessness, you know, of of being an artist today, um, having the courage to, to continue to make art and to continue to want to do that, um, that's incredibly inspiring. My company artists inspire me daily, um, and just kind of, yeah, just the community really is constantly inspiring me, looking to my friends afar or, or more nationally or regionally. And um, sometimes I get inspired, you know, by, God, by, a, a, it's either a book or it's a painting, it's a photograph, it's a song, it's a, it's a conversation, a podcast. Like it kind of comes from everywhere really. But um, 
I guess my you know what's what's shining for me at the moment is is um yeah this resilience of 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 artists especially you know when arts are very low on the priority list in terms of you know government and 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 the priorities of that um so it's just incredibly uplifting that 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 we're still making that artists are still making um, and my First Nations community are still making and still fighting to be heard and, you know, that we are, we are here and we are telling stories and we are, we are important to the, the fabric, you know, of this nation. Um, yeah, I think that that's not stressed enough, really, that, that we are an important part of the fabric of who we are as a nation, artists. Um, and that's not really explored or celebrated enough, I don't think. Or, and also it's not invested in enough. Thanks for listening. You can find a list of episode notes and links on delvingintodance.com where you can also find a large archive of previous episodes including Raphael Bonicella, Meryl Tankard, David McAllister, Stephanie Lake and many more. This special season has been supported by the Australian Ballet for the Dance X season taking place in Melbourne, Australia from the 20th of October to the 1st of November 2022. I hope you get a chance to check it out. Until next time, take care.